0: Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all day fun with spring break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like FanFave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players start playing with just five bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits.
1: Yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Ross Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of the College Draft.
0: Yeah, it's Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft podcast, presented, of course as always, by DraftKings, and this is always one of my favorite episodes of the College Draft Podcast of the year, because it's kind of our last time looking back on what happened this past season. So we're going to talk primarily about the Super Bowl, a little bit about some of the Hall of Fame players, and scouting lessons that Emery and I are taking away from both those things, the guys that made the Hall of Fame, And the Super Bowl, that was last night. And we're also going to dive into some of the college coaching news that's out there, which is pretty interesting. But then we turn the page, and next week, we start diving in in earnest to some of the position groups, to the class overall, to Emory's Combine preview. We'll go over every position leading up to the 2024 NFL Draft, which, as you know, Will be here before you know it. The Emery I mentioned, most of you already know and love him at FBall Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube. And then, of course, most importantly, footballgameplan.com slash 2024 draft guide. You know how I feel about Emery? You know how I feel about the draft guide. There's nothing like it, there's nothing better, and there's nothing that gives me more joy than when a guy that nobody's ever heard of, makes a play in a big game, and Emery, bam, puts up their scouting report that he already had on the guy that none of the rest of us have ever heard of. And it's like, it's not like he just wrote it up. He already had it. You know what I mean? Like, he already had it. And that's why, hopefully, a bunch of you saw Emery the last few days on CBS Sports HQ. Absolutely killing it. I will say this, Emery. You dress way better on CBS Sports HQ than you do on this show. Yeah. Way better. I mean, should I <laughs> should my feelings be hurt? Because you were styling and profiling with the suit and the pocket square. Meanwhile, every time
1: you're on with me, you wear like a football game plan polo or something. Well, I, I stepped up to that. At least I got a CBS Sports polo for you today. But I got to be better at dressing casually. I, I have the hard time, you know, Going from Patrick Mahomes to Clark Kent, you know what I'm saying? I got to do a better job (laughs) at (laughs) dressing casually.
0: I love it. I, of course, am Ross Tucker at Ross Tucker NFL on social media. We're at Ross Tucker pod, meaning all of the different social media accounts, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Ross Tucker pod is for the network. And then, of course, you can always check us out on YouTube, YouTube youtube.com. Slash Ross Tucker NFL. A lot of people do, which is great. Uh, Quick reminder, too, since we're two days away, if you didn't get your loved one a Valentine's Day gift yet, you still can. It's called myfrontpagestory.com. It's a personally written story, personalized story, cover story. Looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper, written all about your loved one. I actually think it's better to buy it now. Buy it now, print out the email order form give it to her or him, whatever, on Valentine's Day, and then to be able to say, hey, um, I'm having a story written about you. It's not ready yet, but it'll be here soon. Can you imagine the anticipation for your wife waiting to hear, <laughs> waiting to read what the heck somebody wrote about her and her life and why she's so amazing? It's amazing. com, And of course, I said this on Ross Tucker Football Podcast. But if you send me, uh, if you forward that email to me, ross at com, I'll personally send you a, a signed autograph. Anybody, anybody that does it, myfrontpagestory.com, happy to do so. All right, Emery, blank slate, kind of like Taylor Swift. What's uh, What were some of your scouting takeaways from the game last night?
1: The importance of having. Uh... The ability to play man and the ability to beat man coverage, uh, number one, was a, was one of the biggest takeaways because we saw the Chiefs essentially play man a, a lot um, in in uh, against San Francisco, and it really took away, you know, Brock Purdy's ability to really dice up zone defense. and kind of forced it forced him into some tight window throws, which also then put a lot of pressure on that offensive line to hold up so he could make some tight window throws. And the combination of the ability to get pressure, even without a, a you know, a slew of pass rushers that the 49ers have, Chris Jones single-handedly disrupted the entire game plan for San Francisco blocking wise uh in a passing game. So the combination of that with the defensive backs ability to to lock in and play tight man coverage, that was just the the one of the biggest takeaways I saw. So you gotta go out there and try to find guys that are able to play man. And play it effectively, um, and it's a mindset that they have to you have to have. Uh, you can't just turn it on like okay, we're gonna play man in in these series or on these series. You got to be ready to go whenever the number is called. And they have those guys.
0: You know that's a really good one, Emory, because that's one thing that jumped out to me too. Is like when the Niners would pressure Mahomes, and guys were in man to man coverage. He was able to maybe buy a little bit of time or Kelsey would get open or whoever and he'd be able to find him. Whereas when the Chiefs would pressure Purdy and play man behind it, there wasn't as much separation. You know, they made it they made it tough on Purdy. And I thought those two third downs late in the game were the biggest, you know, were a huge factor in the game. That the third down after the two-minute warning and the third down in overtime, where there was pressure on Purdy, there was man-to-man coverage, but the pressure didn't really enable him to be able to find a way to beat that that man-to-man coverage. I think that's a good point. And that's actually one of my scouting lessons from the game, too, is, and we probably say this every year, Emery, but you really can't have too many DBs. Like There's just no such thing. The, the way the Chiefs can continually put defensive backs out there and have success, it's impressive. And in particular, you know, LeJarius Sneed and McDuffie, I saw where Lewis Riddick said he thinks they might be the best overall 1-2 combo corner in the league. He might be right. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But they are very, very good. And for whatever reason, very underappreciated, very underrated Sneed was a later-round pick. McDuffie's a first-round pick, but it's like he doesn't get the love, mainly because he primarily plays nickel, which is a whole other conversation, Emery, which is to say every passing year, that position, in my mind, the importance of it increases more and more and more, and he proved that. I mean, he, he proved that again. McDuffie did with the blitz where he tipped the ball and then some of his coverage plays, the touchdown throw to Debo. I mean, McDuffie was a gigantic difference maker in that game.
1: And you got to give credit to Brett Veach for going out and getting the Mike Edwards in free agency, who also played a significant role, can cover, can match up and had a great uh, PBU and man coverage. And you draft the the division two kid out of Fayetteville state and Williams, the corner, the long corner. So, yeah, you're right. They're able to track guys out there in the secondary consistently. Uh, another takeaway for me was on San Francisco's side was, you know, the the impact of having game breakers. It really put – KC had to play his best game defensively because you really had to worry about Christian McCaffrey, who still had a great game regardless of the situation. Debo Samuel still had a, a fantastic impact. Kyle Juszczyk had a great game. Um, we talked about, uh, Brandon Ayuk and you also Kittle had more of an impact blocking as opposed to being a pass receiver. But again, in and of itself, that's an excellent trait to have because, Hey, our best, one of our best options at receiver can also go out there and block. So having those impactful players and on the defensive side, those game breakers, Bosa, Armstead, Chase Young had a great game. Then, um, you know, uh, Javon Hargrave. So it's like, wow. When you have and Fred Warner, when you have game breakers, it really will keep you in every game and give you a chance to win every game. And and to be fair to Brock Purdy, I thought he played a solid game. He did you know, there was nothing he did out there that said Brock Purdy was the problem for San Francisco. But the game breakers and game changers really is the the biggest takeaway. Like man, when you have a stacked team it's hard to to find ways to say, all right, this team is going to lose this game because of this matchup. Like, nah, they are good across the board.
0: I act, And I, I agree. I thought, you know, if you watched, I thought that it's kind of like DBs. You can never have too many D linemen. Chase Young, credit to him, made a couple plays. Obviously, Bosa did some things. Armstead made a play. Hargrave, uh, all those guys found a way to contribute. Randy Gregory... You know, actually made a couple plays, Emory, in the game. And that's the thing that's so interesting, as always, when you're playing against Mahomes and the Chiefs. felt like for a, a large portion of the game that the Niners were winning the battle up front. The Niners were the better team up front. And yet, as is so often the case, they're still not able to get the job done. But that was one that jumped out to me. Uh, Chase Young making a couple big plays. I know he's kind of been maligned since you know, he, he got to San Francisco. Uh, maybe he's not going to be what people were hoping or expecting. He was the number two overall pick. And I think injuries are probably certainly a major factor in that. But he was a major factor, I thought, in that game last night. I've got some others, Emery. Uh, before I find out any more that you have, I want to make sure you guys know about Factor. My wife is obsessed, and my wife's been obsessed with Factor, Factor's restaurant-quality meals for a long time. It's pretty much all she eats. She's been eating them before they reached out to me. When they reached out to me, I was so excited. I'm like, you don't understand. This is like all my wife eats. It's amazing. Over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more. 55 nutritious packed add-ons. Here's the key, right? Two-minute meals. It's a well-balanced meal already ready for you just to heat up and eat it wherever you are. You don't have time to like make stuff and all of that stuff. It's flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing between 6 to 18 meals per week. Head to Factormeals.com Slash draft 50 and use code draft 50 to get 50% off. That's code draft 50 at factormeals.com slash draft 50 to get 50% off. And that is awesome because my wife buys them all the time. I will gladly take the 50% off. Thank you. Draft 50 at factormeals.com com slash draft 50. Any other thoughts, Emory? Any other takeaways for you before I get into some of mine?
1: Um, no, that that was the biggest takeaway. Obviously, special teams played a huge role. So that that to me, investing in your special teams and having confidence in your special teams, um, coverage units, return units, kicking units, it is is huge. It's a it's an important part of the game. It's very much a big reason why KC was able to win.
0: It's a great point. And I said this on the Ross Tucker football podcast this morning, Emory. To me, I felt like Ray-Ray McLeod basically made three mistakes on one play. I mean, number one, in my mind, there's no reason why he shouldn't have been able to catch that ball in the air.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And maybe he didn't catch it in the air because one of his guys was in the way, but then it's his job to get up there and say, Peter, Peter, or poison, poison, and get that guy out of the way. Push that guy out of the way if you have to. You can't let the ball hit your buddy. He can't see it. He's blocking. You need to be that vocal or that to or just go catch the ball. Right. And then the ball goes off his foot. Emery and Ray Ray McLeod tries to scoop it. You got to just fall on the ball. It's unbelievable. Fall on the ball. You're not going anywhere. If you scoop it up anyway.
1: Situational awareness, man, and and you see it a lot of times, people just, you know, black out in tight situations um, where you have to have the amount of control and calm, and you see it every game across all sports where palms get sweaty, all kind of people tighten up, coaching decisions tighten up and get precarious, like all because people just can't really lock in and cool down and maintain a level head in tight situational moments in the in the game.
0: The other thing is, you know, running backs, fullbacks, tight ends, they matter. I mean, like, you can't tell me, I was sitting watching the game with Tiki Barber, and he's a huge McCaffrey fan. He thinks McCaffrey's as good as any athlete that's ever played the position, just with his contact balance and body control. I um, mean, his ability to do things as a route runner. And then Pacheco, like, these are two higher-level running backs. You know, like, there's a drop-off. Now, I like Elijah Mitchell. And, um, you know, Edwards-Elair does some things. But there's a drop-off when they don't have their their best guy in there. check again, made several plays in the game that were really helpful. And then tight ends. We know about Kelsey. But how about... And this is everywhere, I think, in the sport, Emory. But how about when Kittle was out for a few plays? And remember, Ross Twelly is on IR. So it was Charlie Werner. And I don't even know who number nine is. The rookie um, rookie tight end for the Niners out there. And then he's the one that ended up getting the holding penalty (laughs) when they were down near the goal line late in overtime. Kittle was out. I think it's Mills, number nine. Uh, Mills Niners. Was that his name? I gotta look this guy up, um, because it was him that ended up being a major factor on that last drive. They they wanted to go two tight ends. They wanted to run the ball down the Chiefs' throat, but they had to do it without Kittle. So they essentially had their third and fourth tight ends out there, which. Depth matters, and it was a blatant hold by the fourth tight end, the rookie,
1: on Drew Tranquil. Which it was Braden Willis. Braden Willis, yeah. What do you know anything about him, Emory? Oklahoma. I probably could pull something up, but yeah, he was a rookie out of Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, I know very very little about him. Seventh round pick, six three two forty, doesn't exactly sound like a uh, a blocking tight end there with that height and weights, so that one jumped out to me. And then how about linebacker depth, Emery? You know, Greenlaw goes out of the game, and those guys that came in for the Niners struggled. Like they, Oren Burks and that other guy, they did not play very well. And by the way, kudos to the Chiefs who realized, okay, Greenlaw's out. Let's get even more linebackers on the field. Let's go to 12 and 13 personnel so the Niners have to have two and three tight ends out there, I mean, two and three linebackers out there to match with us, and then we're getting guys out there playing that aren't used to it, like Oren Burks and Demetrius Flanagan-Foles. That, I thought, was a a, a big factor too, Emery.
1: Yeah, big big time factor. And again, um, for teams that invest heavily in linebacker play, Chiefs in San Francisco, they have some great ones. When you when you don't have the depth, man, to talk about how the, the run game started to pop for them when uh, Greenlaw was out and how things started to be a lot easier for Patrick Mahomes uh, than it was in the first half when Greenlaw was out. So it, it's mind-blowing how that weird injury, free concurrence, changed the dynamics of the game defensively for San Francisco.
0: Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, It's not delivery. It's DiGiorno. Need something to wash it down with, of course. Take things to the next level. Drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Emery, any scouting takeaways from the Hall of Fame class that was revealed? Dwight Freeney, Devin Hester, Andre Johnson, Patrick Willis, and Julius Peppers were the modern area, uh, era candidates. And then Randy Gratishar and Steve McMichael. Thoughts on, on those guys? I,
1: I like the fact that, I, first I like that Gratishar got in. I like when these old school guys get in, guys that were really dominant during their time and, and really had an impact. You know, Steve McMichael as well. But, Devin Hester was was a big one for me because the impact he has had on special teams is insane. And he should be able to, and it's weird that it has to go this way, but he should open a door for Billy White Shoes Johnson, who's not in, who should be in. Brian Mitchell, who's one of the greatest returners of all time, is not in, should be in. Desmond Howard, tremendous impact as a special teamer in the league. You also look at... uh, Currently, Cordero Patterson, like Steve Tasker, um, as a as a special teams, you know, in terms of uh, coverage, like these are the guys, uh, you know, Michael Bates, um, you, you know, we have. Yeah, uh, you're bringing Slater, up some names, Eric Metcalf. Eric Metcalf, like, come on, man, like these guys make impactful plays in on that position, uh, it, or it within the the, the the realm of the third aspect of a game, special teams. So, I love that he got in. Um, That should open a door for everyone else, in my opinion.
0: So, one that jumps out to me, I guess, would be Freeney. And I know he was a first-round pick, I think. But there were still people, Emery, that were skeptical of him because of his size. Because of his height, especially. And, man, he was awesome. He he mm-hmm. was an awesome, awesome player. And I'm glad he got in. And I think that's one takeaway for me. I feel like height is really, really overrated for for defensive linemen. I understand why you want length, but for guys like Freeney and James Harrison, there's an advantage to being like six foot, six foot one. You know, these tall offensive tackles you're so low and you're able to get under their hands i think that's a big one i i will look at for scouting is to not not uh, put too much in it but then also you have julius pepper sometimes it's just nice to be 67 290 with six pack abs i've told you that story before right emory the julius pepper story yeah <laughs> for the listeners that might have missed it i started against peppers in his first nfl game ever It was actually his first preseason game in 2002. They ran a stunt, uh, a TE stunt. Tackle went up the field. I passed him off to the offensive tackle, and then the defensive end looped around. And I went to cut peppers, and I thought I aimed right where you're supposed to, right at his crotch. I hit nothing. I I, I touched nothing. (laughs) And I didn't know what happened until i looked at the video the next day he jumped over me like and the thing is it was like legeria sneed last night in the super bowl it's not like he had a lot of time to realize what he was going to do right like he's coming around and i go bam load to, to hit him in in his you know thigh boards and he jumps over me Dude, like emory like a deer like like, like Legereus, they like we have deer on my property here and like. I'm amazed how, like, when they go into the woods, they're just like, boom, boom, like, they just, in a moment's notice, they're able to just go over the, like, let Jerry Sneed, he's out of the back of the end zone and he straight up hurdles that, that camera guy there. Do you know how crazy of an athlete you have to be to be able to, in a split second, hurdle a grown man while you have a helmet and shoulder pads on? I mean, that is insane.
1: Yeah, again, in a, it's almost reactionary instincts to where you can't even think about. Oh, I got to jump over this guy. It's just like blink of an eye type reaction. Boom! It, it's insane athleticism.
0: Absolutely ridiculous. Um, Patrick Willis, uh, Andre Johnson. I don't know if there's a scouting lesson there. We mentioned Hester. We mentioned Freeney. Patrick Willis. I kind of like when a guy that chooses to retire quote unquote early still gets in you, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be like you know you have to play 15 years or 18 years like some guys playing nine or ten they're good they're good with that and if they were a dominant player for nine or ten years that's long enough for me it's kind of like the Tony Baselli debate right. on some level check him out on social media he's the man at F-ball game plan I'm at Ross Tucker NFL we're at Ross Tucker pod The keg is kicked. We're all tapped out.
1: Thanks for tuning in to College Draft. Make sure to also check out the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, and Fantasy Feast, all on the DraftKings Network, YouTube, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform.